Welcome to our March 12th worship service from North Coast United Methodist Church, Living Water Hills. It nourishes and sustains. It brings peace and joy. May the peace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you through this time of worship. Amen. Let's join together in our call to worship. Drink of the living water, the living water of faith in Christ. Taste the bread of life, the grace and love of God. Come to the well of wisdom, where thirst for righteousness is quenched. Come, let us worship in the spirit of truth. Amen. So this week, it's kind of a fun Jesus story. It is entitled, He Did What to the Water? So our memory verse to remind you is God is able to do far more than we could ever ask or imagine. Ephesians 3.20. So let's set the scene. You are an adult and you're at this really fun party and you're drinking wine and you're hanging out with your friends. And it's back in the old times when drinking anything other than wine was not really the best thing to do because, well, for starters, water really wasn't safe to drink. And, well, the process of anything else, just it wasn't safe. And water was for the animals and we, you needed to conserve because you lived in the desert, right? Well all of a sudden, the worst thing to happen at a party happened. Nope, you weren't out of chips. <laughs> there was still plenty of chips. You ran out of wine. Uh-oh, that's not good. Well, here comes Jesus to the party. And Jesus wanting to show people that he really was the Son of God, that he really was as special as he was, decided to say, you know what, let me do something fun for you guys. Let me show you how special I am. Why don't you bring me some water? Bring me that cabbage water. What? That, that's gross water. We don't, we don't want to drink that water. That water, that's not good water. Jesus says, no, just trust me. Trust me. Put your trust in me. Okay. They bring, so he has them bring all of the jugs of this water in and everyone's going, I'm not drinking that. Are you going to drink that? I'm not drinking that. I don't know about you, but that doesn't sound very good to me. So all of the water comes in, and then Jesus does his thing that we all know Jesus does, and he performs that miracle, and he turns that water into wine for the party. Jesus didn't have to do any of those things. Jesus didn't have to prove that he was as special as he was. He just wanted to, because that's Jesus, and Jesus is Jesus, right? So all of a sudden, all of that icky, gross cabbage water got turned into wine at the party, and then the party could continue. And that was the start of everyone knowing who Jesus really was, right? So, Jesus has power beyond what we can even imagine. He, he just did all of those cool things for all those people. It, there's literally nothing that is too hard for Jesus to do. He, water, what? What did he do? 
what it's so mighty, so powerful of a God that we serve. What, what is so simple in your life that, that you can give up to God to take over for you? How is something that you can give up and just let him take over for you? My father is rich in houses and lands. He holdeth the wealth of the world in his hands. Of rubies and diamonds, of silver and gold, his this day. Quench our thirst for your wisdom and truth, that we may grow in faith and love. Fill us with streams of your spirit, that we may know you more fully. Amen. Our scripture today comes from the Gospel of John, chapter 4, verses 5 through 15. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sirkar. 
near the plot of ground Jacob had given his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with, and this is well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did also his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming to draw. Let's join together in prayer. Precious and loving God, we thank you as we continue this path of looking at the blessings that you create in our Lenten journey. The challenge in our lives to look at the positive places of your spirit and being as we go on this journey of renewal leading towards a resurrection. Be with us today, God, as we look at your love, as we celebrate your love. As we look for your places that you are moving in our lives, be real, Lord. In your Son's precious and loving name, I pray. Amen. What a great scripture today. And you're seeing me bounce around a little bit as I pull the scripture up on the screen in front of me. I, I want to look through this verse by verse today because we know the, the, the scripture. We know the narrative of the lady at the well. We know the narrative of this individual who came to get water for her community, a sustaining source of care for her community. And we know the narrative of this lady meeting Christ at the well and receiving this mistress gift of what it means to have the eternal water. But today, as we, as we kind of look through this narrative as we have in other weeks of our Lenten journey, I want to continue to look at the necessity of looking at the positive moments of growing into and towards something and not fleeing and trying to get away from a harmful thing, not punishing ourselves with the I can't set went, but striving of taking chances with the what ifs through Lent. And there is a huge, a huge what if narrative that takes place in this, not so much for 
Christ, but for this Sumerian woman who comes and has this soul-changing encounter with Christ coming to the well. We look at it, and, and I, I want to share with you the division that exists in this. There's a lot of shouldn'ts for the Samaritan woman, and there's a lot of shouldn'ts that exist within her safety as this conversation between she and Christ takes place. In her own words, in verse 9, she shares, You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. There's a lot going on. And even the explanation in verse 9 only touches the surface level of what the Samaritan woman was contending with in this conversation. So we look at it. We, we, we see this dear lady who's coming as a part of her daily ritual, her daily chores. She's coming to collect water for the daily needs of her community. She's going towards the well. She's she's going to fill her basins. And probably you know, she's she just doesn't have just one pot with her. She is getting water for her entire community. Because her responsibility is a caregiver for a basic basic daily not just, well, it needs and necessities are, are, yes, they're the same words, but I, when I use the word necessity, there's more of a pertinent uh, end of the word necessity. So we look, at, we look at this conversation between this lady at the well and Christ, and she's not just doing a chore. She's taking care of a necessity that for health, for cooking, for cleaning, for everything. Her chore is to touch a core need for her community. So she goes to this well, and she sees a Jewish man standing there at the well. So she immediately has to weigh out some issues that she deals with. She has to weigh out some issues. One, for her to be just basic core issue that she's dealing with. But because of her gender, a lady going to the well with a male there, many, many conversational points, that, that she would end up facing the negative consequences of. You know, it, the, the man's word uh, over overhauls all in, in the cultural narrative of this conversation. So for her to go and to be seen in solo conversation with this male would bring up questions of her character. So that's something she has to deal with in this. There is a, a gender worry that exists for her. Then we deal with the cultural worry. And the cultural worry is the biggest of all. We, we have dealt with this narrative, as I've shared with you in other conversations about the Good Samaritan and, and Christ's parable of picking a Samaritan to be the person 
that does the right thing in that parable. In the Jewish culture, the, the conflict, the cultural division that, that exists between the Jewish cultures, Marian culture, the, the cultural division is, is vast. So, she exists within that narrative, and, and she shares it here at verse 9. You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me to do anything? Because Jews do not associate with Samaritans. That's the scripture. And again, because of the gender bias existing in, in the cultural narrative, she suffers the most to lose in being seen in this conversation. So, we've got... Gender separation, we've got cultural separation that's, that she has to deal with in this conversation. So, as we look at our narrative throughout Lent of what it means to be individuals who are striving for the potential and not fearing or hiding from the ne negative, not going into Lenten with a negative woe is me mindset, but looking towards the potential of growth and opportunity, that is something that this Samaritan lady is dealing with in this conversation with Jesus Christ. She had everything to lose and being found in that conversation. Having the conversation alone, Christ had the power of making her life very, very, very unpleasant. She had so much to lose. But she walks over because she continues this trip to the well because she has a responsibility. She is a caregiver to her community. So what does that mean? She doesn't know how long this guy that she doesn't know is going to be there. This guy that just being seen speaking to him alone would cause issues. This guy, this cultural narrative of dealing with division between the Jewish culture, the Samaritan culture, that she had everything to lose and her community had everything to lose for her not to fulfill her chores for that day. She had she had to go to the well. Again, I pointed out that she just didn't have a, a sports bottle or something. They didn't have cold and running water in the villages. She had probably had two very large clay pots that she had to carry back full of water to her community because it was more than just making sure everybody had something to sip at dinner. It was the health, it was the, the cleanliness, it was a, a basic need that she was there to contend with. So she couldn't, she could not say, there is this individual here, these are the ways that I could suffer if I'm seen speaking to him, I need to not be here, I need to do something else. She did not have that choice. So, she had to move forward. She had to move forward. 
she, so she goes to Jacob's well and, and she sees Christ there. And the first thing that Christ does is he starts to shake the foundation of all these divisions. So when we look at the potential through Lent and we look at the things that we want to give up, we begin to construct this narrative of division within our spiritual selves. When we go through this narrative that we've gone through the last couple of weeks of, I am going to give this up, I'm going to separate myself from something, I'm going to limit myself from something, we're creating sort of this spiritual imbalance of, of fighting within ourselves. So first thing Christ does, first thing that Christ does is he shakes that foundation of the spiritual imbalance. And he addresses her and asks her for some water. So there's a ploy. You know, there's the spiritual imbalance already. And it becomes an emotional safety imbalance for the Samaritan lady at the well. Do I, do I be seen speaking to this person who culturally I should not be speaking of because of gender imbalance and, and gender misinterpretation? I'm not going to use the word misunderstanding. I'm going to use the word misinterpretation. Because of misinterpretation, what I could lose for being seen speaking with this individual. She had everything to lose and she had a responsibility that so many were counting on her to fulfill to see it through so there's all that inner turmoil going on and all that inner turmoil going on through this conversation so she she starts to defend herself she does she says hey i how can you how can you ask me for this? It was just him and Christ there. And in verse 8, it points out his disciples had gone into town to buy food. It was just her and Christ. It's one-on-one -on -one conversation. Uh, other than how did John get, get the documentation? We'll discuss that later. But so she's dealing through this. And then Christ begins to answer her and he begins to pave this it's okay narrative and he begins to pave a narrative that shows a compassionate understanding of her role as a caregiver for her community by going to the well to get this this necessity substance so that the the area could could have the cleanliness that could cook could clean could they they needed it and he began to talk about her becoming a caregiver in a way that is more sustainable and eternal christ answers her and he says if you knew the gift of god and who it is that asks you for a drink you would have asked him if he would have given you a drink he's starting to open the door on this and she is still fighting the limitations. That thing that I have been challenging us for the last few weeks to not 
suffer with through our Lenten journey, not to suffer through the limitations, but to find the foundation of moving forward and growing. Jesus answered and said, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have had asked him, and he would have given you living water. Then she responds, and again looking at things from her inner turmoil of cultural, gender, division, and strife. She says, Sir, you have nothing to draw, draw with, and the well is deep. Where can you get living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did also his son and his livestock? So she's starting to piece together what he's sharing, and she is using her understanding of the temporal and trying to dissect what Christ is trying to share with her and the eternal, that every need that she is there as a caregiver for links in some way, shape, or form to the temporal. It's temporary health, kids. One day we're going to pass away. You know, we're going to wash scabs and bruises. We're going to cook, and that is that food for that week, and then she's got to go back to the well and go through all this again. But he's starting to, to pave this into... A conversation that is outside of the confines of what she currently understands and more importantly it opens a door to a more sustainable long-lasting caregiving that she un would understand Jesus responds everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again but whoever drinks the water that I give will never thirst again indeed the water that I give them will become and them the spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have it keep coming and have to keep coming here to draw water. That last statement just jumped at me at a way that it didn't as I sort of prepared for this conversation. And I want us to think about this statement the way it just popped in my mind. We've been going through this narrative in our Lenten conversations about what it means to step away from the can'ts and the shouldn'ts and allow ourselves to grow into the cans, the maybes, and the possibilities. So you hear this statement and it says, Sir, give me this water so I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. You know, there's a lot of work in that. Again, I pointed out multiple times, she has multiple clay pots that she's carrying. She doesn't have somebody's sports bottle to get them through the day. This is something that she's doing for multiple people, multiple times, and it's a chore for her. And not maybe sometimes a blessed chore, but it's a chore for her. And when I hear this statement, so that I don't have to keep coming here to draw water, I hear this request of being relieved of a burden or a chore. Being resurrected from a burden or a chore. And that's what this Lenten journey is about. 
how can you resurrect me from this task that I can find freedom? How can you resurrect me so that I can take this task of freedom to my friends and my neighbors and my loved ones so that they can find freedom as well? How can you free us from these burdens so that we can find freedom and wholeness? It isn't a help me find a early retirement conversation. It is a statement of a resurrection. Resurrect me from the worry if I can get to the well and if the well will run dry. Resurrect me from the burden of carrying multiple clay pots full of water back and forth from my village to this well. Resurrect me from a burden of worrying if I can bring enough back that will meet the needs of the entire community. As she's having this conversation with Jesus Christ, they're starting to construct this conversation in such a way that it becomes a, how can I find the sustainable resurrection that will bring sustainable care to everyone. I think about all that as she also deals with the worries of gender misunderstanding, as she deals with the worries of cultural strife and deals with all this and looking for a way of a sustainable resurrection for the needs and the burdens and the worries of the ones that she is a caregiver for through this task. As we go through our Lenten journey, I hope that we are evaluating and processing our emotional and spiritual journeys in this way, looking for ways to create, produce the resurrections that so many are striving and calling out for, looking for ways to celebrate the resurrections that can bring sustainable freedom from worrying if I can fulfill my chore so that everyone will be taken care of. That's our whole narrative that I've been trying to share with you. I don't want our Lenten journey to be the obligation chore. I want it to be a journey of finding fulfillment and wholeness in places so that we can become the ones who are truly the caregivers and the gift givers of sustainable hope so that we can go out and do things that we never fathomed that we would be able to do. I would like for you to hold on to those things. I would like for you to exist within the compassion of that narrative. That we can find ways of finding the whole resurrection so that needs are truly sustainably cared for and not suffer under the temporal that we just suffer through something and then it's all done. Let's find the freedom and the happiness and the joy that exists in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Thank you for sitting with me through this narrative. 
My name is the Reverend Michael Drew Davis. May the peace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. God is love. Amen. Thank you once again for joining us in worship. Let's join together for our closing benediction. With excitement and joy, go forth to proclaim God's love. God has done great things for us. With hope and faith, go forth to share the water of life. Christ has done great things for us, offering love to share with all.